Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this? And whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us. What should we do with this text? It's an argument amongst people who no longer are with us. It's about an issue that we don't deal with. It's about a tax that's nothing like the kind of thing we call a tax. And it's been imposed by an empire that's long disappeared. Well, first of all, it isn't a tax like we know about. It's, we could get into it that way. We, we have a completely different system. Our leaders don't claim all authority and power, although the current government's unwillingness to venture into an uh, independent commission against corruption does make you wonder whether or not they wouldn't mind a little bit of it. The, an ICAC at a federal level would be what we all desperately need. Because tax for us is for us. We all together, together agree that the party that's in power, we didn't all vote for them, but those of us who did, we agreed that they have the right to tax us and as long as they use the tax for our benefit, and some of it you'll agree with and some of you won't, but generally we have that sort of system and if we don't like them, we can vote them out. In Rome, the tax that they're talking about is not a tax as we understand it at all. It was basically war tribute. So Rome conquered, Rome took whatever Rome wanted, and most of it went back to Rome or to the infrastructure of Rome in that country. So it's not the kind of tax we're used to. And in fact, the story, isn't <coughs> the, the story that Jesus tells us isn't really much about tax at all. It's actually a story about truth and fiction. And that's where it might connect with us. It's about truth and fiction and which will take the winning position. And currently we're all watching this in real time. Given that we now have a president in the United States who lies all the time. 
I've given up reading the New York Times um, fact checker. They keep a list of how many things that Donald Trump has said since uh, uh, 2016 that are lies. And there's just hundreds and hundreds of them. And it's just too boring to read anymore. But if we're living in a world where somebody in authority can be that blatant in lying, a story about truth and fiction might be a story that has relevance to us, even though it's talking from such a long time ago about something that's not much to do with us. So Jesus begins by saying, look, show me the coin. Let's get down to this. Let's see what's really going on here. Whose head is it? And whose title? And of course, everybody knows, including Jesus, what it would say on the coin. And we've got these coins. Um, they're in collections all over the world. Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. Son of the divine, son of God. It's, a, it's language used about the Caesars all the way through. Caesar, son of God. It's interesting that Christians in the New Testament use the same words to talk about Jesus. This is a story about two divinities, two entities that are the origin of everything that is. Two entities that require allegiance because that's what a divinity is. It's the origin of everything. It's where you locate all reality and all truth. But of course the Jews were passionate believers in only one divinity. The world belongs to God, the earth and all its peoples. We say it each week. You can't have two if there's only one. The story of the emperor being divine is a fiction, according to Jesus, according to the Jews. It's a very convenient lie that makes it sound like the things that the empire does are so important that they can override ordinary human goodness. Which is why Jesus describes the Pharisees as hypocrites. They're willing to live with this convenient lie because it doesn't ruffle any feathers. They're willing to sort of work within the parameters. It makes me think about people in the Republican Party in the United States willing to work with someone who they know, and many of them have said in public prior to Trump's election, that he was a liar and a cheat and not worthy of being the United States president. And yet they're willing to work with him. It's not true, but we'll live as if it is true. That's essentially the meaning of hypocrisy. It, it, hypocrisy comes from an ancient Greek word which, is, which meant play-acting. It meant acting in a different way than you really are. So actors were sometimes known as hypocrites. Not in a negative way, just they were play they were pretending to be something that they weren't. It's a disconnect between what's going on inside and what's going on outside a person. A break between what we say we do and what we actually do. And it's painful to watch hypocrisy in public. This is why we struggle so much with politicians 
who have to toe the party line, and we understand why parties have to have some level of cohesion, but they end up sometimes having to say things that we know, because they've said it in other, in other forums, we know that they don't support, but they have to say they support it, and you can sort of see the hypocrisy kind of working out on their faces. And, and we also know because this is how we get through life. All the, even silly little things where somebody asks you if you like something but you don't, but you say you do because it's easier. It's easier to get through that. We all do it all the time. The problem isn't that we do it every now and then, but when it becomes confusing and we can't figure out what's inside and what's outside because it ends up damaging us particularly for long periods, we find ourselves saying or doing something that is totally at odds with who we are inside. And counsellors and psychologists will often say to people, tell me how you're feeling. Not your emotion, but tell me how your body is feeling. If you're walking around like this all the time, dense, something's going on. It might be that you've hurt your back and you're hurting it more just by holding yourself like that. It might be that there's an incongruity between what's happening to you and what your experience of life is, what you want to do and what you need to do. Because the opposite of, in, of hypocrisy, I think, is integrity. It's when things are integral, when things are connected and in harmony. It's the oneness that Jesus is talking about all the time. The connection with God that he termed the, the kingdom of God. It's the interconnectedness of all things. It's the way that Jesus ignored social hierarchies and ignored the power relationships in his community and was willing to and eager to engage with everyone and anyone. Because he saw not only an integrity within himself, but within all of creation. All is part of the one thing. All one family. All one community. All one, to use Jesus' language, kingdom of God. That's the opposite of integrity. That's the kind of thing he was accusing the Pharisees of not having. Because they were living with this convenient lie. They were willing to play at but of course, when you play act for too long, I remember reading uh, some years ago, uh, uh, I can't remember the, the, the show, it was to do with gangsters, and it, it ran for a long time, and one of the characters in it was in it all the way through, and he was a gangster who was able to uh, run the, this sort of mafia-like group and order the execution of all kinds of people. And he said that after a few years of playing this character every week, um, he began to confuse the character with himself because as an ordinary human being, he didn't have that power. He didn't have that authority and control, that fear that everybody would have had around him because if they didn't do the right thing, he would have their heads off. The character had that, but he, started, he said he was very glad when the show was over because he could sort of divorce himself again and realise that that's not who he was. But while he was play-acting all the time, he got confused. Jesus is calling this out. But then he says a very strange thing, and it's not much help to us if we're trying to figure out what to do with our taxes. There's no point going to your accountant at the end of the financial year and saying, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. What? 
does that mean? I think it's this. Since, therefore, we have looked at this coin and we've seen that what's written on it is a great convenient fiction, we can remind ourselves of what is true and what is false. We can give to the divinity what it is that belongs to that divinity. And divinity, which seems to be competing here, there's the emperor is divine and there's God who is divine in the Jews' understanding. That the, the divinity means the entity that is the beginning and end of everything. It's the beginning and end of all life. It's the universal energy that animates and sustains all of life. This is ways we talk about God. The originator of the one great unity that is all there is, the foundation and the meaning of everything. Richard said that we run out of language pretty quick trying to open that up. But if that's what divinity is, the meaning of everything, the sustainer of everything, the originator of everything, the foundation and the meaning of everything, is the emperor one such divinity? Of course not. Look around you, look at the truth of it. Of course that's not true. Is the Liberal Party or the Labour Party one such entity? Of course not. That's not where the universal meaning of everything is. Is it in your career? No, it's not. Is it in your family? in your relationships as husband or mother or daughter or sister or uncle? No, it's not. Is it in your individuality? Is it in the individual person that you are? That's the meaning and purpose of everything. It's all there in the individual. You're the true existentialist. No, it's not. It certainly wasn't for Jackson Pollock. Is it just in your very life, just the fact that you exist? No. The d divinity, the truth of it, is something far deeper, far greater. What do you give to that one? How do you give to God what already belongs to God? If the world belongs to God and the earth and all its people, how do you give? Or another way of interpreting the Greek word that we translators give is also return. How do you return to God what God already has? You can't give or return what is everywhere all the time. But you can live in it in an integrated way or you can play act in hypocrisy. You can live in humility and trust, in awe. You can live as if making a simple food on a summer's evening and then sitting down to eat it and then going to bed and sleeping as in our poem, is an absolute miracle. Or you can play out your way through. I think that's what Jesus is inviting us in this story. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, what, and give to God what is God, what is Caesar's? Well, nothing, really. No, well, no more than anybody else in the world. There's only one Unity, only one entity that brings all things together. And that's where your life needs to be. 
If it's not there, then it's not real and you're living a lie and you're not living true and you're living as a hypocrite, as a play actor. Returning to God, what is God's, is living in God's world, enjoying God, loving it, being a part of it and being alive in it and being integrated and truthful. Amen.